genre. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. I have a guest here, but he's operating on his own. He's cut off from his chain of command, he's showing signs of pressure-induced psychosis, and he's got a nuclear weapon. So as a personal favor to me, Tom Loveman, is The Abyss a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I love the movie, so I think it should be remade. I think one of the questions you might ask is, will it be remade? I think I think would this is remade? a yeah. is a will be remade. I can see this being an eventual remake. I don't know if it should, but I think it will be one way or the other. Yeah, the problem with the movie, I mean, I, if, if you don't know the history of the movie, it was a nightmare to film. James Cameron directed it. He all he wanted to do everything live action or with miniatures. So there was the CG, which was groundbreaking at the time, was a very small part of the film. Yeah. And in the process of doing all these underwater shots, like people almost drowned, and there was like freezing cold, and yeah. everyone's miserable, and and like the people who were like Ed Harris was in it, and he, he won't even talk about it anymore. Ed Harris's hand is dyed blue, but sometimes it's the wrong hand, and it's inconsistent. It, and he like punched James Cameron in the face at one point because he did was, he really? Yeah. The, the story is something like he was. He was doing a take, and James Cameron kept filming while he was almost drowning. Yeah, stuff like that. And yeah, it, I would punch James Cameron in the face, too. Yeah, well, James Cameron almost died, too, because his like underwater DP forgot to check his air, uh, James Cameron's air levels oh, while they no. were filming. So, I mean, all these crazy things happened. Like, like who would want to do this again? You know, it's kind of like that. they talk about the, the Waterworld nightmares, you know, that yeah. movie. And uh, now they're doing a remake of that, by the way, for TV. Of course they are. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I love this movie. It, it, it actually bombed at the box office, but I love the movie and it had, it, it wasn't perfect, you know, but it, you know, it was really, for me, it was a really good movie. I actually bought it on DVD ages ago and uh, I would love to see it remade. And, and uh, you know, with the CG we have today now, which that was all kind of the fore, forerunner for. You know, I imagine how amazing it could be, how, yeah, how honestly, cool it could be. Yeah, honestly, the CG in this movie, I thought, still looked good. Yeah. Like, I, I was still impressed. I was... Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I thought it was excellent CG. Thank you, George Lucas and Industrial Light Magic. Oh, was it? They, they did the VFX for it. Yeah. They did an excellent job. Yeah. But before we get too deep in, Tom, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Uh, before uh, you were on last year, you were, I think, one of my first... No, you were one of my last... In person records when we did uh, how to su- not how to succeed in business secret of my success secret of my success and the sentence success whatever the one that eventually like the week the podcast released turned out to be a Broadway musical yes um, I have a fun coincidence about that that follows this show uh, when we get to casting but for people who didn't listen to the secret of my success tell people a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a writer, producer, editor, uh, game developer here in LA, and I uh, originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Ooh. Yes, and uh, I've done some short films uh, that won a bunch of awards, Reclamation and Synesthesia, which are both for free to watch on Vimeo these days. Used to be on Amazon, but Amazon screwed that over, so now you can't watch them for free. Um, but check those out. And uh, I, I produced those with Roshni Lumino, and she was starring in those. And she is my co-host on Writers Group Therapy, the podcast we we co-produce. And she was your co-guest when we uh, remade uh, Secret of My Success. Yep, she was. But today it's just you, and we're remaking The Abyss. Yes. A movie I had not ever heard of, I don't know. I, 
It's a movie that, like, I'm not, I wasn't especially conscious of, but, like, kind of drifted in and out of my periphery every once in a while. Like, oh, I should see that. And then it would disappear from my head. Oh, I should I see that. I don't know how old you are, so I'm not sure where you, where you were when it first came out. So this movie came out in 1989. I was one. You were one. I was I was in college. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm an old man. Nah, you're not that old. Uh, yeah, no, the, um, it was groundbreaking at the time. It was, you know, it was this, the visual effects just drove everyone crazy. I mean, the the water probe, as it was called, was you know the precursor to the T2, you know, um, Robert Patrick metal. Terminator, liquid metal Terminator. Oh, when you said water probe, I wasn't sure what you were thinking of. Like the, the weird, the, the, the she refers to it in the movie as a water tentacle. The water tentacle, yeah, the, mm-hmm. that was that would mimic their faces and things. Yeah, that was basically the the precursor of the technology that created the Terminator, the T one thousand in yeah. Terminator two. So relevant, um, but but honestly, like even that weird water thing, like it all looked pretty good, even by today's standards. No, it's it holds up. I mean, I watched it again. Uh, before you know we came on the show here and and uh, I really think it just holds up all around I mean I don't know how how they cast it and they wrote it so so generically that it doesn't it seems timeless like, yeah it doesn't have a lot of like social references that would place it out of time the the visual effects are great since it's all like done live action I yeah mean, they did it they filmed a lot of it in like a nuclear plant in like South, <laughs> South Carolina North Carolina cool super safe yeah well it was it was it being constructed and it was actually never finished oh okay. and so they had these giant pools and they covered the top with these tiny micro black microbeads so it was pitch dark underneath and they had um, they had a different pool that they did all the miniature work in cool so it was it was all done live action so it had a all lot right. of real felt really real to it so that's awesome yeah and the the scene that we're referencing is ed harris has to swim from like one pipe to another underwater and he has to like un like wind or un uh open the door yeah turn and the that's valves scene where he and like stuff and... almost drowned and mm-hmm. it's wild this movie's crazy but it's also four different movies how do you see that so there's the mo- there's the whole Russian sub Cold ah. War aspect, mm-hmm. uh, and a submarine goes down, and we think the Russians might have done it. We have to go investigate. There's the the the, the marriage drama between Bud Brigman, so his his name is literally Rigman, so he's the man on the rig, <laughs> uh, and and Lindsay Brigman, like and like, oh, we're getting divorced and we hate each other, man of Brandenburg. And then there's the plot of the military guy losing his mind because they're so far down. And, like, there's the whole, like, uh, disaster movie perfect storm of everything keeps happening to them. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, yeah, aliens. <laughs> Just It's kind of a subplot, actually, if That's you ask me. Yeah, Like, they, the aliens are absolutely the motivating factor in the movie. But they're not... They're the, the cause of, of what's happening, but they're not the focus of the story. But they, they're, the, like, the story, I think... There's a story, I think, that's going a certain way, and the aliens bump the story, and it takes a turn each time. Mm -hmm. Because the sub is going on its own, and then the alien goes by, and they're so distracted, and they're like, nothing moves that fast, and then the sub runs into a a cliff and goes down. The the power generated by the alien interferes with their system. So whenever the alien's around, electronics go crazy. Correct. That too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, like, navigation was off, they ran into a mountain. And then uh, later in the movie, when, like, this hurricane happens, they're, like, trying to investigate everything. And then Lindsay sees this alien, and she's telling everyone about it. And then the uh, military guys think it's the Russians. So they go, and that's why 
they go and take a nuclear thing from a this warhead, a warhead, a thing from from a, yeah 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 one of them uh, one of them nuclear things you got going on there the boomy booms yeah <laughs> one of them ones that go <laughs> uh, they right. go, they go and take a nuclear warhead and because they were out taking taking the nuclear warhead because they thought the aliens were Russians that's why they weren't able to decouple from the crane and that's what drags them down over the edge right. And of the Marianas Trench, which is the deepest trench in the Pacific. Not the Marianas Pacific. Tr- like some other name. Oh, of it, the tr- it, is, it is supposed to be the... It's supposed to be, but they call it something different. So called the Challenger Deep is the name of the deepest part of the Marianas Trench. Oh, okay. I so, thought it was some hypothetical other trench. No. It was... So, okay. So, there's Marianas. the trench and then there's the trench. Got yeah, it. So. All right. There's the trench and then there's where the Pacific Rim happens. Right. Yeah. But, like, they only went after that because the aliens showed up and, like, they thought the aliens might have been the Russians. Mm-hmm. And then at like, and then they just disappear. Uh, oh no! And then like the water tentacle comes in, and that's like the motivate. Like the, the we gotta go kill the aliens. Well, yeah, like the aliens. Like uh, they're all laughing and thinking it's cute, but you all saw that went right for the nuke, right? And so it's like, well, now we gotta bomb the aliens. It's like, no, guys, we gotta try to not do that. And then of course, like the aliens are the ones that save them at the end. Like they keep, they only show up when it is necessary for the plot. Right. No, they're, they're very limited. It's it's actually really well done, so they're very secretive. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, when you get to the end of the movie, it's a little corny. They they turn they down all go, their secrecy. The, the secrecy goes away, and <laughs> all is revealed, and it's it's kind of like, what fine. the heck happened? Yeah. And then like, they get to the surface, and Lindsay goes, what? I don't know how they did it, but we should have been in suffering pressure sickness this whole time. And it's like, yeah, we sure should have. Anyway, guess the aliens did something to us. They sure did. <laughs> yeah, talk about, uh, what's, what's the, the um, Deuce Ex Machina kind Deus of? Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very much. Yeah. So, that le- so, I have two questions about that. First, are they space aliens? Or are they, are they earthbound creatures that developed on Earth and just happened to live in a place that it was previously inaccessible to us? Uh, it seems like they were just sitting on the bottom of the ocean. It wasn't like um, there have been some other movies where like underwater drilling releases the Kraken, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it seems like they're just down there. So they're just visitors. I think they're aliens from another place, um, from another world. They're definitely... Um, they've kind of got that... Um, so you do think they're from another world? You don't think, I think that they're, they're, like, they I develop think simultaneously and they just stayed down there? No, I think they're, I think they're from, definitely their technology and everything. I think they're definitely from another world because... They, there are many worlds, and we're discovering this with the whole Kepler stuff. There's all these super aquatic plant, planets that are just balls of, of ocean almost. Yeah. So I feel like there definitely could be a race that, you know, developed in a similar situation. And if they were looking for another planet to visit, they'd want to visit one that has a lot of water. That's true. So I feel like that's plausible. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And they seem to be, uh, you know, at the end, uh, there's a director's cut that's over like three hours long where they get into it more. But they seem to be paying attention to what they're doing. Or we're doing. They've got the technology to listen to our TV and our radio and observe us from deep in the ocean. So that makes me think that they're, they're they if they they're, were they're if they watching. were just an underwater civilization. They would just stay there. They wouldn't have their ship be able to come up to the surface like it did. Yeah, that was the biggest yeah. thing that was indicative of, well, this wasn't all, this didn't get built here. This yeah. doesn't have foundations. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just chilling. Yeah. Although they do have that translucent, you know, um, kind of look of a lot of what a lot of un- deep sea creatures look like. I yeah, think, but that can be true of anything yeah. that develops. Well, and that James deep. Cameron, you know, is a part. He's into the whole Ballard Institute where they go yes. underwater in the deep sea submersibles. He's very into that. They did the whole Titanic thing with that. 
So I'm sure he's, you know, he that was part of the design was we're going to make this look kind of like these deep sea creatures that live in high pressure that have kind of translucent skins and yeah. and bioluminescence and stuff like that. Yeah, all right, fair enough. I do enjoy it. Like I again, I still think the aliens were designed very very well. But then my next question kind of starts with the statement of so I watched Jaws for the first time last weekend. Really? Yeah, I'd never seen. That's right. It. You don't like scary movies. So. Yeah, and and even with like the abyss, like there's some tension. Like it starts scarier than it ends up being. Like the moment when they're investigating the sub and it's just super tense, and you're seeing from the perspective of inside the helmet, and you keep expecting something to come out around the helmet. I was anyway. Um, like I, I was having a hard time, but then it like eased in, and we actually got into like this the disaster movie story of everything. And I was. I it was better and I was so it was just really that scene and then there's they're under seeing a crab crawls out of a dude's mouth it was super gross yeah um, but that's nature for the most part yeah I know it, nature's gross <laughs> yeah. um but in Jaws and in a lot of alien movies you're getting hints and hints and hints about these aliens and then like it, it's like the, the horror movie trope of don't reveal the monster until you're ready Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it was that same thing of don't reveal the monster until you're ready. Like, we didn't get to see the alien until we were ready, and it was the end of the movie, and then we saw them. It felt almost like a reverse horror movie, in that this isn't the monster, they're actually here to save us. And I genuinely found that refreshing, mm-hmm. because normally it's, uh, if aliens did visit us and they watched our media, they'd see we were not a fan. <laughs> but this is the one that'd be like, look! We think you're great and we'll save us all. Well, yeah, and that's, uh, if you do watch the director's cut, the, the storm that they're experiencing on the, on the surface, the hurricane. Yeah. Um, is the aliens are supposedly creating that. And at, at the end, when Bug Bergman is talking to the aliens about, hey, we're, we're okay. We're, we're not that bad. The aliens are actually in the process of creating gigantic tsunamis to, and like, bury the big cities of the world like all over oh, the planet man. and there's this crazy scene where you see these these giant tidal waves and put like over the city almost and they freeze while bud's talking to the aliens and talks them out of like destroying humanity so you know that what? is like like a really like dark that's you know, a different movie it's a very different movie i'm yeah. glad the version of the movie i saw did not have that yeah they're kind of more passive in the the theatrical release yeah i yeah. think I think that's they're, better. They're not as judgmental. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because like, the, you can even see that when they're going around and their technology kind of like shuts down all of our technology. Like, they're not doing any of this intentionally. Um, it's just an incompatibility. They're AC, we're DC kind of thing. Something like that. But like, yeah. even, like even when they're going by, it like shuts down this. Or uh, uh, Lindsay, when she, she can't really take pictures of them because like her camera gets shut off or something. And... Which, of course, leads to the question of when Bud's way down at the bottom of the Mariana Trench later and his suit still works to send signal back somehow. They, they have their ways. Yeah. Yes. That's something I would adjust and be like, they need to, you need to change the technology and make it like Morse code and do like mm-hmm. ham radio, which can function without electricity kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I would do instead. But like, r- regardless, it feels like the, it's unintentional. And as they are becoming more aware of us, they're like, oh, well, what's going on here? What's happening? The, the idea of them being down there and then planning on wiping out humanity, that changes the entire context of the movie. I don't like that. Yeah. The location and the timing of it seem too coincidental. That too. Yeah. There's, 
Yeah, because everything else is like, it's a coincidence, but it's not an intentional coincidence. It's not, mm-hmm. oh, this disaster happened to happen right as they're about to wipe us all out. It's a good thing love saved us all. In their terrible, terrible relationship. Yeah. that's Because they're going to continue getting divorced, right? Um, <laughs> you know, movie, relationships that uh, happen in the movies never end up great. You know, they never no. show you like two weeks later, you know, yeah. when they're like, this was a mistake, you know. Yeah. Like, it was the heat of the moment. Well, also, like, there's the whole thing where they, like, they, they hate each other at the beginning of the movie. So the Bud Brigman and Lizzie Brigman hate each other at the beginning of the movie. And then at the movie, she's like, I'm so glad you're okay, uh, Bud Brigman. And he says, I'm so glad you're okay, Mrs. Brigman. And then they make there's out. There's kind of an assumption there, like. It's an assumption. And it's also a really possessive assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the last line of the movie. Mm-hmm. Not... Holy shit, we're standing on top of a giant alien thing. Look, I'm glad you're okay, but what is all this? They need to be freaking out more is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and you know, there's the whole, he wants to save her when she drowns. It's very emotional. I mean. Yeah, that this, I get. Those I are totally all, on board for that. Yeah, and they're super strong touch points, you yeah. know. And really what the movie's all about is just survival, you know. It's yes. like, it's, it's really a survival story. It, it very much is a disaster movie. Like, uh, yeah. a few months ago, for the first time, I watched Towering Inferno. Oh, my mother's favorite, actually. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. That's funny. It It's just one thing after another after another going wrong, but it's also people making the wrong decisions. And also, especially from an outside perspective, watching it now, seeing other wrong decisions being made that aren't even being commented on in the movie. And it's just people who, uh, because of power, because of stupidity, because of ignorance are continuing to make these bad decisions and pushing them further and further and further into the disaster until finally someone is able to get through and save them all. Some of them. Whatever. And this very much felt like that. It's a disaster movie. Like, they, uh, they're they about to get... They're at the end of their shift, and the military comes in and says, this hurricane is coming. We have to save someone. send someone in to see if there's anyone we can save in the submarine. We'll pay you triple. Fine, we'll do it. And then that happens... Then as they're trying to save themselves, they encounter what the military thinks is a nuclear sub. And so they go out and they explore for too long, which means that they can't uncouple from the crane, which means the crane drags them down. And it's just like one thing after another after another. It just keeps being more and more of a disaster. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would definitely qualify this as a disaster movie. Yeah, and if you when you factor in the aliens, it's almost like going back to like it's different. More you said like four movies or whatever. Four movies, yeah, yeah. Because it starts off more like you think it's going to be more like the alien, you know, underwater, mer- you know, horror movie, kind of yeah. like um, Sphere or Leviathan, Deep Star Six. We probably didn't see because you don't like horror movies, but right. I mean, yeah. it's also this movie's called The Abyss. Yeah, The Abyss isn't a positive name. No. In the end, it turns out being more like the day the Earth stood still. Yeah. Um, where it's, you know, the aliens are here to kind of correct our mistakes, so to speak, almost. And, he, and not even that. It doesn't feel like, in, in the theatrical version, it just feels like they're here. They don't really necessarily care about us, but they kind of learn to care about us over the course of the movie. Right. They're, they're more concerned about the planet and the, and, and the animals and stuff. It always, like, yeah. there are no animals in this movie. This just movie kind of struck me as, like, exploratory. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what I found interesting about it, is they, we are the untamed wilds that the aliens were exploring. And so then they go out of our way to kind of, like, realize, oh, well, let's, these, these dumb monkeys are about to kill themselves. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's save them. We can do that. Yeah. We're, we're all right. Yeah. 
we can get some air in our spaceship regardless of the fact that that's not how air works. <laughs> they part the water, so air must be there. Air, there is there is oxygen and hydrogen in water, so... That I will give you. Yes. So it's very, very flammable. Yes. It will explode. <laughs> it's an interesting movie, and yeah, I agree with you. It, I don't know, I think I had been leading towards a question, but I no longer remember what that question was. Well, I, I, was, I was thinking the whole Cold War thing, like if we're going to remake this. Yeah, when know. do you want to set this? That's the thing is, I would I would update it if I was going to, you know, I like to do things contemporarily. I agree. Yeah. And especially because we're still kind of a sort of unspoken Cold War with Russia. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I think I was thinking um, updating it. And first of all, the underwater oil drilling rig is kind of passe, like... We've already had major accidents with oil rigs recently. Yeah, but they still keep trying. They still keep trying. It's, this is supposed to be the safest one. Oh, right. Yeah. But I was thinking it could be something interesting, like to, even like the whole nuclear Cold War stuff. If it was um, uh, something like, uh, you know, those, those cables that run under the ocean that carry the internet or whatever. Yeah. One of those gets cut, you know, or something. So they send the submersible down to try to fix it. And it's, they think it's China doing it. So the military gets involved. Yeah. And, you know, and then... There's the abyss, and you know, I feel like you could you could kind of work it some way like that way. How about this? How about we have this big ship be designed to to be able to move around, but it's supposed to be going in to tap the geothermal energy of the planet itself. Mm-hmm. I actually had that thought too. Geothermal was yeah, because you would go deep. Yeah, those thermal vents and things would be another source of energy. And in deep on the ocean floor, that's where things tend to live. Mm-hmm. And they designed this big thing uh, because it was going to go after like a really big geothermal thing, and then they're going to start filling it in. But of course, there's already something living there. That's actually kind of the plot of um, the movie Underwater, which was a, a movie a, a year or two ago. Oh, yeah? With Kristen Stewart. And it's a it's a really big underwater complex that's a drilling thing. And they drill into something that releases monsters, real monsters. It's more sure. horror. Yeah. It's more like Chutlu, you know, like you're talking like giant kaiju kind of crazy stuff. And that's that's just a disaster movie that just goes in one direction. It's just disaster all the way to the end. Well, let's do a turn on it then in that, like, that's what this, that's what Lindsay designed this ship to do, but the only way she could get it funded was with military funding, Mm -hmm. and so the military, there is no nuclear sub that goes down, the military hid nukes in the thing, so that way they have some sort of underwater missile launching thing Mm -hmm. that's untrackable and traceable because it's so deep, radar can't go that far. Exactly. But the missiles can reach anywhere they need to because yeah. of where it's located, like in the ocean or something right. like that. And like you can use and you can because it's so deep, you can have them inflate in such a way that just like being propelled so like they get propelled so fast out of the ocean that that will get them airborne, airborne, yeah. and into where and that way they can like they can save a bunch of fuel. And it's a mm-hmm. really efficient way of deploying nukes. It's a, it's a secret, you know, nuclear su- nu- nuclear launch base is what it is. Yeah, so literally it was designed to harness energy and be something that would bring about world peace, but it's being kind of taken over by military and turned into a weapon, which is exactly the sort of thing it's not supposed to be. Right, and there's this one module that no one's ever supposed to go in because that's the secret one. Yeah. And 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 uh, everybody, you know, and, is curious. Or and Lindsay had designed it to specifically be something else, to be something but they had changed her blueprints to design it to be this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even know. She's like, well, this isn't what I designed. These right. aren't my schematics. So when they're when they're impacted by whatever the alien's, uh, you know, power-sucking thing is, 
that puts them out of you know communications, that's when the military comes in and says, "Hey, what's going on down there?" Yeah, basically, yeah, because it's mm-hmm. the military. Yeah, there's one thing they they like it's knowing where their nukes are at all times, definitely forever. None of them have ever gone missing, not even once. Right. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> we no, know. Some have gone missing. It's a whole separate thing. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it. That's a James, not, that's a James Bond movie. Tr- no, it really happened. Try not to think about it. Yeah. Um. Try. Yeah. Try. Well, Tara. if it goes off here, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, put up our hands and shout, no. That's what I would do. I mean, that's what, uh, that's even what Ed Harris did is at some, like, like, I am going to drown. There's only one suit and you're the stronger swimmer. I'm going to drown. You're going to get me back because the ice cold water is going to save me and then you're going to bring me back. He said, I hate this. She's like, I know it's the only thing. So then she drowns and then he t- wastes time by shouting no. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you know, there were other people that, that picked on that whole thing. It's like, why didn't they just start swimming back first before she drowned? I mean, that um, also, because you don't want her flailing or whatever. That, that's That's a... Scary. It's yes. I, I bring up the point is usually those kinds of submersibles you have to fill them with water first before you can open the door. Right. Like you need so, you need a way for the pressure. To the equalize. pressure. So I feel like that's kind of yeah. It's, it's so, definitely done for drama. Yes, but it, it is. But like it was filling up with water. So when it fully filled up with water, she drowned. They went. I don't cut that scene. I keep that. I like that. Yeah, I keep that scene yeah. too. Like, I thought that was really dark, really interesting, and it was very disaster movie of, like, this science person saying, so this sucks. This is the only, like, you are definitely the stronger swimmer. You can get me back. I'm pro- I, like, I'm going to drown. There's a good chance I'm about to die. Mm-hmm. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this is literally our only move. And that is a move that it's like, I don't know... That's so dark, but it's also yeah. really good. As far as the whole resuscitating your two, you know, I get so tired of this trope of, yeah, you know, it's how long do you drag that out for? And they take a long time. They take a long, I, I would they, cut that down. They cut the, I mean, I don't know if that was a five minute scene or more. It was. Well, s- they literally like, she's dead. Okay. No, she's not. And then they I do mean, all I, the same thing again, and now it works. I'm like, I'm sorry, no. Yeah, I, I mean, well, you talk, I don't want to bring a doctor in here and talk about how hypothermia works and what have you, but um, I mean, I do love the fact that he basically yells at her, calls her a bitch, and then that's when she wakes up. Like, yeah, I think she should wake up and say, smack him, and say, don't ever call me that. I mean, that <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> no, I think we should probably. That's a little cartoony. Yeah, but I would, I would cut that scene down because, like, I, we could very, I think we could do the um, the the Pulp Fiction thing of like. The defibrillator's not working, CPR's not working, nothing's working, nothing's working, and then finally the guy shows up with a shot of adrenaline, like, does the adrenaline thing, and that, that restarts her heart. Yeah. She vomits up all the salt water. Yeah. And, so yeah, basically, resuscitation, I would cut that down, uh, with, and then do the adrenaline shot thing, and, like, that's what kind of brings her back. Vomits up seawater. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, I think the emotional part of that scene is the most important thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, that's basically... What I would change there. What what other changes do we need to make to more modernize this? Because I agree, I think it needs to be set now as opposed to thirty two years ago. Well, robotics is so big now. You know, I I wonder if you have to figure out to make this movie plausible that the things that they're doing are important that they have to do it personally, not using robotics. Because I mean, in this movie, they had a lot of robotic arms, and they had you know, or what do you call them? Uh, not drones, but yeah, you know, underwater drones, yeah. basically. Un- underwater 
things. Yeah. So that's one of the things I've been, I was uh, kind of stirring over in my mind is how does this become plausible that we can't, that we, we have to send people down there. What's... Well, I mean, we already have a reason that's kind of built into the movie of for some reason, electronics stop working mm-hmm. whenever it gets closer to this. And so you have to send it with people because people do continue working, but the electronics stop and we don't know why. So people have to go in and investigate it and kind of like report back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's plumbing and things. Geothermal has a lot of plumbing. Right, but I meant like the aliens have been shutting off. Like they're unintentionally shutting off the electronics of the drones mm-hmm. and stuff. And I, I was thinking instead of a hurricane, what if what if uh, you know if you're going to go with geothermal, which I thought of, uh, what if we get into things like you know underground earthquakes? Yeah, I think absolutely. And underground volcanoes and yeah. lava, you know, and those kinds of threats would be something different we could throw into the movie that would you know the story would be similar, but. We'd have, we'd have to have some other threats. Yeah, I don't think they should necessarily be investigating a downed nuclear sub. Right. I think that there's enough stuff on the ocean floor that we should be seeing and investigating. And, like, we don't interact with any sea life down there other than the aliens and the one crab that crawls out of a dude. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think there's got to be weird stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. Especially because James Cameron loves that. And... I think what we need are, like, especially from Lindsay, like, a more environmental perspective. And then from the military, it's like, they're just fish. It doesn't matter. Get them out of the way. There is that whole science of um, underwater um, military exercises with sonar and things that they've, the environmental side has claimed that it dangers, you know, uh, dolphins and whales and yeah. those sorts of fish that use echolocation. Yeah. So there's something we could be said about that, where you could have that as the other side of the coin. I mean, that could even be why the military went down there, because they specifically were going to do that kind of exercise, mm-hmm. theoretically. And that's why Lindsay doesn't want to be down there with them in the first place, is because she's deeply opposed to it. Of course, they're actually down there to double-check the, the nuclear stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, the exercise is kind of just a front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of um, the movie The Core, which where the, they the, the, the center of the, the center I just gave you free uh, lo, uh, long distance calling. Yes. Yeah. What for life? <laughs> That's all I remember from the trailer. I never saw the movie. Um, no, the 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 government creates some sort of um, weapon that sends a pulse through the you know through the earth to attack their enemies. Yeah. And in the process, they stop the center of the earth from the core of the earth from spinning and creating, they need need a hacker to go down and hack the earth. They have to hack the earth. No, well, that's part of the story, but yeah, Yeah, it is, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother episode. You could do the core was, that's another great sci-fi corny. I mean, that is a good corny movie to do at some point in the future. Yeah. But Hey, it's got Stanley Tucci. You can't go wrong, but okay. So that's kind of like our, our impetus. Like, what the machine's doing down there. How important is the marital drama to you? Um, I actually, when I was thinking about the casting, which we'll get into later, what if it didn't have to be, you know, a husband and wife? It could be father and estranged daughter or something like that even. Oh, I mean, I cast them similarly aged. I could have them... Um... I did both. Oh, okay, fair enough. But hypothetically, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I the, the thing about Ed Harris in the movie is that he has looked 35 his entire life. But in the movie, he was 38. Mm-hmm. Like, he was 38 when they were making this. And he doesn't look it at all. But, like, I also cast someone in their 30s. Because, like, a working professional is sort of, like, not young, but youngish kind of person who would kind of go and be on an underwater rig for months at a time. 
And I would, like, I think the strain on their relationship is that they both keep volunteering to do these long-term underwater assignments, and they keep not seeing each other. Hmm. And finally they're like, we'll, we'll go on one of these together, and if this doesn't work, we're breaking up. So it's a... It's a marriage therapy kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like they they because they've spent so much time apart, they don't know if they're actually good. Like I would make them fiancés, like, uh, and they don't know if they actually want to go through with the marriage because they've been apart so long they don't actually know how they would function together. So this is kind of like moving in together, but on this underwater vessel just to see if they kill each other when they uh, are living together. Because up to this point, they've it's, never done it's that. It's their only cohabitation. Yeah. Is, is the deep trench of the ocean is where we're going to see if we can stand being together. Okay. Yes. And everyone should make fun of them for it because it's hilarious. That would be that would be great. That's a good comedy through line, too. Yeah. So. I mean, because I, I tend to cast people who uh, at least have an aspect, an ability to do some sort of comedy. And even James Cameron movies, they're not so dry. Like, there's a dude with a rat in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's the best character. Hippie. 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 Yeah. No, that's not true. I, I I really like Hippie and I really liked One Night. One Night, Hippie, and um, and what's the other one? Catfish. Uh, Catfish. Those are the, the three... Those are the three I did ...supporting too. characters that, I, I, that really make the movie, I think. So, for Hippie, what kind of animal companion do you want Hippie to have in our version? Still a rat? Oh, I don't know. I didn't think about that. Because, theoretically... That the rat in the movie that we saw was a real rat, and then they kind of like sort of drown the rat. It's super weird and gross, and I did not like that. It, that was a real thing. Yeah, I know it was. Yeah, and they got in trouble with PETA for it. <laughs> yeah, because it's fucked up. Yeah, and did you, there's a story about that as they cut away from the rat while it's underwater in the little oxygen water tank um, because it pooped. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it was so freaked out it pooped. Good. Good. Makes sense. Yet. Yeah, I don't know if we would pull that off again. Yeah, I don't want to do that, because I think our animal will, especially now, largely be CGI, especially to avoid PETA. But, like, we're underwater, we need weird animals. Why not a sugar glider? A sugar glider? Yeah. I'm going to pull up a picture. These are pets that people legitimately have. They're very strange. Um, I was thinking lemur or something, or ferret. Lemurs are fun. Ferrets can make their way around things pretty easily. That's true. Ooh, yeah, and you can send a ferret in the pipes. Yeah. Uh, sugar gliders are these things. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's similar style of They're animal. smaller, yeah. though. That's like, a nice, unique animal, yeah. I mean, it's also like, if they're going to be living in these pods for months, Hippie can be someone who just took shift after shift after shift, and he's just like, he's been the person who's been on the rig the long. He's not, he's not the oldest, but he's been there the longest, and he's customized his space the most. And at this point, he's like, I've lived down here for so long that I don't even think I can reacclimate to the surface. Oh, right. Like, I've been at this pressure. I feel like I have to stay at this pressure. <laughs> and I feel stuck. So he's, like, just been building out his whole menagerie of pets. So he's got a sugar glider. He's got a ferret. He's got a rat. Yeah. Because they're the things that he can live with. Because he's you can't bring a dog down there. You yeah. can't bring... But, like, rodents, sure, why not? And they're rescues from other pressure experimentation scientists that had done on the rig that aren't down there anymore, but he rescued them all. And now oh, I see. he okay. saves and takes care of them because this is all backstory. That's not necessary for the movie, but <laughs> I like it in my head. Cause like that they they talk about how it takes them eight hours to adjust to the pressure when they go down, but it's going to take them how long to adjust when they get back three weeks, two Some, weeks, something like that. Yeah. Something crazy, which is a lie, but it's a lot. And cause that's the other thing, like intense pressure. And that's why they have this uh, 
oxygen-rich water or whatever mm-hmm. that apparently you can breathe. And I don't want to try, but I also kind of want to try. I have no desire to try. I'm, I, I, I've never been in a situation to really test it, but I think I'm kind of claustrophobic. So this movie was, yeah, it's kind oh, of, okay. it's kind of intense that way. Anytime I'm you, not. I can't even, I can't even snorkel. I can't, I can't, I can't have that regulator in my mouth. I can't. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, I gag. I, I'm like. Okay, so horrible. what's something that would freak you out that we should put in this movie? <laughs> Insects of some sort. I mean, those giant like underwater spiders things. Oh God. I mean, we'd need to have more underwater creatures. We're this deep. We need to be seeing some anglerfish in here somewhere. Yeah, I think the environment they filmed in limited their ability to of do course. that. But... And I don't think, and obviously, I don't think they should be real because I don't think you should mess with stuff that lives that far down and is not would not be able to handle human well, intervention. But there's nothing to say that the aliens couldn't have brought some species with them. You know, so there could be some alien... Like the alien pets? Alien pets, yeah. I don't want the aliens to be more in this movie than they are in the movie than no. it is currently. Okay. Like, I don't want to see an alien out walking its space dog. <laughs> like, Marvin the Martian's cool and all, and I like Marvin the Martian's dog, whose name escapes me. But, like, I don't need that in this. Okay. Like, I feel like the aliens... I feel like you got to be really careful with the aliens and do... I think James Cameron was very smart with his use of aliens. Yeah, I really... I do think that. I still feel like the ending needs work, though. Like, how do you wrap it all up so that it, people aren't going, what? You know, that that's always the problem. When you introduce something sci, you know, sci-fi or mysterious and then you have... You make it so you have to explain it, you're either unsatisfied or complete disbelief. So I, I'm I've been toiling with how to, you know, what to do with those aliens to make them believable in some respect. I think the aliens are believable up until the point that they unhook their entire civilization in order to save the the ship. Because a, I didn't think their ship could do that, and b, that seemed a little wild. Yeah, it seems like yeah. That like, why would they bother? Yeah, like I think that. Or wouldn't they have like a smaller ship they could just send out like a tow truck? Well, that's that's what I was going to suggest. Um, like, I don't think we should ever completely understand the aliens because I think that's one of the things that makes alien movies good. And this is going to come up when I uh, when I remake Avatar next episode. But one of the things is that I don't think we're supposed to understand them because they're aliens. And so, what I think would be interesting is if we have a moment where we see multiples of the aliens together. And then the one that saved Bud Brigman breaks off and then goes and brings Bud back. But then the rest of the aliens leave. And that alien elected to stay behind in order to... And that, it's that one alien that kind of saves them all. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, it chose elected to die in order to save all the humans. And the mm. rest of the aliens leave. So now all these people have this experience and they're like, we did this thing, we saw this thing. We have no evidence. Right. The alien kind of dissolves at the end or something. and Or gets them up and then just kind of like drifts back down in the water. Oh, okay. But in doing that, they also now, because they got saved and the aliens left, their technology is no longer there. So now we can start sending robots and everything to start harnessing the geothermal energy. Right. They moved on. Yeah. And, you know, so we can do what we need to do. It's like, so they understand what we're trying to do is good. And that their presence is, is it was part of the problem. Yeah. And so. like, even so, like, it would be interesting if they could see the different forms of technology that got spread, that, that got, that people keep sending. The, the drones, the geothermal energy 
thing, the, uh, the energy tapper, harvester, whatever, and the nuke. And because I think there would absolutely be people who would, whose first instinct would be, I don't understand them, let's blow them up. And I feel like, especially if someone's going through psychosis, like they, they, they will be able to investigate that technology because they're aliens and they understand those sorts of things and say, oh, okay, this dude just saved all of our lives. We need to give them a little bit more respect. Let's save their lives too as a, as a thank you. Mm-hmm. Life debt or whatever. And, but, but if they have the power to kill us all, we need to go. Yeah. And so that way there's also the cost of, obviously they have their advanced technology, but because humans tried to kill them, we'll save their lives, but we're not going to help. We're not going to give, like, help yeah, them. We'll save these humans, but not Correct. all humans. That's, yes. That's Correct. on them. That, that's kind of the message I yeah. want. And I, I don't think any of that should be expressly said, but I feel like that's kind of the message we need to go with. Yeah, it feels like a little more, um, like, arrival. Yeah. Yeah. The aliens, except not so, you know, they, those those aliens were, like, hovering over cities and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they were a little more obvious. This would be more subtle. But, yeah. But, but those but aliens had a idea. similar attitude towards humanity. Right. It was almost like a testing kind of thing. Exactly. And I don't even see this necessarily as testing. It's more, we didn't even register because they are so far, like... Like, and someone might be walking around and not noticing the fish. Mm-hmm. The aliens are walking around and not noticing us. Right. Until they realize we almost killed them. Right. They're down there at the bottom of the trench. They could have been there for 500 years. Yeah. For all we know. You know, and just now noticed us because we got close enough. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's basically the idea I want to go for. Mm-hmm. Of They are space aliens, but they're on a completely different timetable. And they're mm-hmm. kind of doing their own thing. They were also harnessing geothermal energy because that's how they were powering their ship. Right. Which brings us back to keeping it as a disaster movie about people surviving and those people and their relationships and what they have to do to accomplish it. Yeah. Being the main focus of the movie. Yes, which I think is kind of what this movie needs to be about. I think you have your movies about investigating aliens and doing all these sorts of things, but I I don't think that's what this movie is. Mm-hmm. If I had my druthers, I would say theoretically you could take the, the aliens out, but then it wouldn't be the abyss. Right. Then it would be like Deepwater Horizon or some such. Mm-hmm. And... I think, especially if it's a remake of a James Cameron movie, you have to have that little the hook that makes it a James Cameron movie of things on the bottom of the ocean that are beyond our comprehension. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? No, I agree. No, I'm I'm totally cool. I'm on board with that. Okay. What else do we need to do to talk about for the remake? Like, what else do we need to kind of make this our own? Hmm. Is there anything you want to talk about in terms of any of the characters? Like, is there any thing? Like, do you still want to have like the deep water underwater psychosis? Because I feel like that almost excuses the behavior, and I feel like it should just be no. he's putting, he's taking it too far. I agree that 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 was that was more of a almost giving him an excuse for going crazy, as yeah. opposed to just being crazy, being or being aggressive, right? And I think that's part of humanity, not necessarily because we have underwater sickness, but because of that's who we are. Yeah, and I so. think that's even more apparent today. Mm-hmm. It's this person who's just so afraid of things he doesn't understand. That he will kill them, himself, and everyone around him in order to to try to make them go away. Because he doesn't understand them. Yeah. And I I think that's important. Yeah. Of just like this deep-seated prejudice against the the not understood. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with that. I think the pressure the pressure of the situation will drive the behavior, not the pressure of the pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like. I think I do think pressure sickness is a thing, but and I even think like what they're talking about in the movie. I, I think that might be true, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think we should use that as an excuse. I, I don't think that should be the. Uh, this dude's going crazy. He's cutting himself with a knife under the table. He's off kilter. Like, I want him to be completely sane, but still making these same decisions right. because he's just a bad he's person. He's military, but he he's, he's try, says he's calling the shots and... Yeah, power tripping. Yeah, it's just power tripping, yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay, yeah. I that That's kind of where I think we need to be. There's the interactions with the surface and stuff, but we don't... What's crazy is that the people I really recognize in this movie that I was like, oh my gosh, we're in like that surface vessel. Chris Elliott. Uh, yeah, yeah. The mayor from, well, no, it was the mayor from Schitt's Creek uh-huh. and also Kelso from Scrubs. Right. And I was like, what's going on with these two? And then they're just like nothing characters. It's funny when you look back at movies from, you know, a long, you know, back in the 80s or whatever that were decently sized, you know, yeah. movies that had actors that didn't yet you know, make it, hadn't made it, but then, right. you know, five, ten years later, you know, mm-hmm. so now they're big names, but you're like, they were in that movie as yeah. some, like, deckhand? <laughs> well, the crazy is that uh, Chris Elliott's the mayor from Shits Creek, right? No, Chris Elliott was Bendix. He was the guy who just going, look over there, every time oh. there was something to look at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was him. It was very weird. Um, but, like, he hasn't aged at all. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's, yeah. Oh, maybe that was him. Oh, yeah, Shits Creek. Yeah, I think that was him. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. That was him, yeah. And, Bendix is the character's name. Yes. Um, but, like, he looks the exact same, basically. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of the few the, the few people that people mistake me for sometimes. Oh, yeah? When they say I look like an actor. That's fun. That's yeah. a good one to get. Yeah, it's Chris Elliott, Paul Giamatti, um, sometimes Seinfeld. Um, Those three people look very different. And, well, it depends on my haircut. Oh, fair and enough. And Stuart, the guy from the comic book shop on oh, Big Bang Theory. I can see that one a little yeah. bit. I get those. Lines. It's like I said, all those are very, very different, but cool, yeah. I guess. <laughs> or I just look like someone they know, but it's no one famous. Yeah, yeah. That I think is the, the, the bones of our movie. We kind of like have the sense of like what we would do differently in mm-hmm. our version. Um, I don't necessarily need the people on the surface. I gave like a person on the surface because I need. I think they need to have someone who's like trying to communicate with them and like mm-hmm. like to indicate that we've lost touch with other people who are available. So I have a surface person. But it's just like a military surface person. I don't really care. But what else do we need for our movie? Or you ready to just get into casting? Yeah, let's. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So Wordcursion is the app that I've been developing for a couple of years now. It's actually available on iOS and Android. I created as uh, supposedly the no more boring word games word game. It's supposed yeah. to be an exciting, more dynamic word game. So if you like things like Scrabble and Boggle and even games like Othello or Stratego or Risk, it's kind of a combination, like a game smoothie of all those cool strategy and word games. It is Scrabble meets a Stratego. Like, I didn't think about that, but that is exactly right. Because I've played the game. It's super fun. And you basically have your words on your side and you're slowly trying to make your way... Yeah, and take over the it's, board. It's a dominate. You're supposed to dominate the board. So you've got a grid of ten by ten dominate. letters. Dominate the word domination. Yeah, you, you, you by creating words, you take over blocks of the board, and you um, try to get you know to the fifty one is half the board. Oh, just over half the board is the winner, and you can you can steal blocks away from your your opponent. You can 
uh, use power-ups to rearrange the letters. It's it's pretty dynamic and fun, and, and I'm having a really good time with it, and it's uh, coming along really well. And good. it seems like people are enjoying. And it's called enjoying. Word Cursion. Word Cursion. Yeah. And it's available now on uh, the iOS and iOS, Android Store. Yep, Google Play and and the Apple App Store. Perfect. That's awesome, and it is genuinely fun. If you're the sort of person who likes word games, you will like Word Cursion. It's super fun. Okay, so for casting, obviously we need to start with Bud and Lindsay Brigman, right? Yes. Do you want to start with Bud or do you want to start with Lindsay? Uh, Bud's my first one. All right, let's start with Bud. Uh, I went big. I, I, I got, well, actually, I went with the big three. Uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, or Matt Mark Wahlberg. Oh, man. Well, we definitely, I hate all of those. Do you? Oh. Uh, yeah. I went big. You did. But I don't dislike them because they're bad choices. I dislike them because of, like, things they've done. Um, oh. <laughs> Like, Mark Wahlberg is not a good person. Plus, he is kind of, like, the, the person they go to for, like, the Deepwater Horizon movies. Yeah, he's already done the underwater stuff. Yeah. Ben I, Affleck did the did the oil rig uh, thing in... Did he? What was the Bruce Willis asteroid movie? In Deep Impact? Or Armageddon? Arm- Armageddon. It was yeah, Armageddon. Yeah. He, was in the, he was the oil drill... Oh, was he? ...rig worker, um, oil rig worker in that. It's... The, the, thing, the unfortunate thing about Ben Affleck and Matt Damon also is that they're both a little bit tainted in that... They've just been too powerful and too white for so long. They don't really see other problems. They, I mean, the other thing is that, like, you also went older. Like, I, all, like Mark Wahlberg is 40s or something, right? I guess he is kind of older now, yeah. And Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are both 50s easily. Are they? Gosh. They've got to be. Yeah. You think about how he looks in the Batman stuff now. He looks pretty old. Matt Damon age. Matt Damon is 50. Okay, it might be a little on the old. See, I always think Ed Harris always looks That's the thing. pretty he, old. He, yeah. But he was thirty-eight because I thought the same thing. I'm like, he's seventy now, which means he was thirty-eight. Yeah. So here's my crazy coincidence: sure. is I went with an actor who um, most people know from us. They know from Black Panther, but I was really impressed with him in this movie I saw called Nine Days, mm-hmm. which is this movie I saw a year and a half ago before the pandemic when I went to Sundance. It was the only movie I saw at Sundance, but he is phenomenally good in it and i've been trying to like i like i've been telling people about this movie since then because i think that it deserves so much praise and accolades and everything and so i've been trying to tell people over and over and over about this movie but like it's been impossible to see until yesterday when it was released in theaters oh it was released in theaters uh like a limited run now and i think it's going to go wide in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. the movie's called nine days and the actor is winston duke Winston Duke. Okay. He is... I like it. The leader of the monkey tribe in yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. Us. And he is... And so there are a lot of people who, th- who think that's all he is, but he's not. He's this really compelling, dramatic guy. And in Nine Days, he like he plays with Shakespeare, and he, he's just very, very good. But at the same time, he's still imposing and a big guy. So he's the sort of person you can yeah, see on... like an oil tanker kind of thing. Like he's the sort of person you'd want to have, but at the same time, like has these really good hidden depths. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a good uh, resume here. Um, and he, he actually was, um, met, uh, Mark Wahlberg. He was in that movie Spencer, um, unlimited or whatever it was on Netflix. No? I don't know it, but oh. I believe you, but he was the father in us. I think so. Yeah. God, he was really kind of, I want to say portly in that a little bit. He wasn't, he's also portly in uh, nine days. Like he goes, yeah. like he can go back and forth between yeah. being like, Big, like I, it's hard to be. I, I think it's funny because you know, underwater stuff is like, you know, already claustrophobic to begin with, and you're gonna put this big guy in a cramped space. I think that's kind of cool. It actually. is, but you also need someone who's strong and is able to like handle the machinery. And if yeah. something's breaking, he can brute force pull a door yeah. open. 
He could literally I, like hold the ceiling up with his not shoulders. Not that, but, but yeah, like there's that moment when in the movie when Ed Harris like, is trying to catch a door that's like trying to seal mm-hmm. him in and drown, and it only saves because he happens to like still be wearing his ring, which mm-hmm. I thought was fun. But you're saying he could just open it. Well, <laughs> he would I, just. Well, but I don't believe Ed Harris could like pull the door back open. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that Winston Duke could. Mm-hmm. Like if it if he had to like and he just had to like brute force it, but I feel like that's why you put someone like that on these sorts of things is it's cramped spaces. And as long as the person's not claustrophobic, I yeah. feel like you want someone who can handle the machinery and the muscles of it. But in nine days, like he is also very small and like he plays very small. But yeah, I. I like Especially because Mark Wahlberg is also 50 years old. I love I love the idea of having a running gag where he's always like, Doc, you know, like, watch your, you know, he's always like watching his head like. Yeah, he's the big guy, like, because there's the whole tall people who uh, slouch mm-hmm. just because they're too tall for the world. And, uh, and I also don't think Winston Duke is as tall as that. Winston Duke is 34 years old. Oh, he's 6'5". I take it back. He is 6'5". He's pretty but tall. But still. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's who I thought. I'm uh, totally on board with that. Cool. Yeah. Then, you went first for Bud, so let me tell you who I have for Lindsay. Okay. My Lindsay's actually a few years older than my Bud. I think she's 38 or 39. Um, and I wanted someone who, the funny thing is, I didn't do this intentionally, but we also kind of know her from the Marvel uh, world. Someone who's incredibly capable, very smart, very uh, uh, I think I think we picked the same person. Did we both pick Haley Atwell? Oh, no, we didn't. Oh, who'd no. you have? I have uh, Gugu uh, Mbatha-Ra. She played uh, Renslayer on Loki. Oh, Oh, ooh! She'd be a good match for uh, Winston. She would. I love Haley Atwell. I like her I a love lot. Haley but, too, yeah. but I've definitely used Haley Atwell before, and I think Gugu and Botha Raw. Oh, that's good. Let's go with her. Yeah, Botha. I was going for Ra. something. She was actually in the Paradox, uh, Cloverfield Paradox as well. She, oh yeah. She so she's done the sci-fi action stuff. You know, that's awesome. In multiple. Yeah, I mean, she's so good in Loki, and she's just a phenomenal actress, and. I don't know. I think she would also be a really cool and interesting, like, designer. I mean, she went to Oxford. This actress went to Oxford, and she began acting in British television. Both, uh, both Hayley Atwell and Gugu Mbatha-Ra come from, uh, the, the, uh, the British Isles. That's fun. I like it. Right. That's it. Hayley Atwell is great, and I love her, and she would also have been good at this role. Hayley Atwell can almost do anything. She's, yeah, she's, I, yeah. yeah. I would pull, I would consider her for any role. Yes. So. And part of me had considered doing a gender swap on Bud Brigman. And I think in other contexts that kind of works. However, I think there's just a notion of just like, just dudes doing the manual labor kind of thing. Not that women can't, but it's like, this didn't feel like the movie to kind of put that yeah, in. Yeah, Not this movie. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not saying they can't. But in this particular context, this felt a little bit like a dude movie. Mm-hmm. But at the time, the Abyss as it's made, with the entire ship being designed by Lindsay... I was on board with that. I'm like, that's great. She's in charge. They're kind of annoyed with her, but like, they like her. She's still like, they never at any point diminish her capabilities. Mm-hmm. Like this most sexist thing they do in this movie is the moment when, uh, Lieutenant Kofi goes, I've been waiting to do this this whole time. And he like takes duct tape <laughs> and puts it over her mouth. And yeah, it's like, you sexist piece yeah, of shit. Yeah. That was, yeah. I'm sure everyone cringes when they watch that. Part. Yeah. It's yeah. really bad, but it's also like, oh, okay. You're just a monster. And you have no redeeming qualities. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily make our Lindsay as catty, but like I think she should absolutely be taking control and and like like Gugu and Bathara does in Loki, 
and does very, very well. So I think excellent casting. Good mm-hmm. choice. Um, let's talk about Lieutenant Kofi. Okay. Who'd you have? Uh, Gabriel Luna. <laughs> That's he, funny. He was the, uh, the T, I don't know what number it was. He was the Terminator in Terminator Dark Fate. I'm aware of that. That's going to come back, um, for us for reasons. I, I feel like he, he has the ability to, to, to go from, you know, he, he can be the military, the straightforward, very, you know, but he could also turn darker uh-huh. and, and go on the evil side. We're probably going to go with him. Um, I went with Stephen Young. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. I love Stephen Young. Yeah. I, I think we're probably going to go with Gabriel Luna just because I've seen him used less. I think Stephen Young's just too nice. I, that, I like well, him too much. That's part of why I went with him is because I want him to kind of be like, yeah, I'm just this guy. Sure, I'm the military, but don't even worry about it. Uh-huh. And like kind of like do that bait and switch of like, oh, now he's showing his true colors. Mm. Yeah. But I, I think Gabriel Luna is better than that. I, yeah. I think I think that's a better choice. I want to go with Gabriel Luna. Okay. I will not argue with choosing my choice. <laughs> Especially because I looked at him for another role and I'm like, oh no, uh, he's too good and too confident. I do, I do love Steven. I would love to do something with Steven Young because uh, I love Minari and that was, I mean. Yeah, like Minari, Walking Dead, Okja, uh, yeah. like everything he's done. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of A-list now and I always love doing this someone who's slightly less. And here's the thing. I loved Terminator Dark Fate. I did too. Like, I thought it was great. I thought it played with the world and the lore and everything so well. Like, I could go on and on about Terminator Dark Fate. And I might in a future episode. I, I wanted to see it so bad, I, I made it my birthday outing. Ooh. Because it came out, like, like, right around my birthday. That's a good birthday outing. Yeah. That was um, before the pandemic. Yes. Cool. That brings us to Catfish DeVries? DeVry? Catfish DeVry. You went first for the last one. So yeah, it's your my turn. turn. So, for Catfish, I wanted kind of like the silent bearded friend. You know. Okay. That's all he is. That's great. Not, not so silent, but yeah. Silent. Picks his moments. Yeah. Like, he, like he's not silent, but he, like, if he doesn't need to, he uses the exact right amount of words. Mm-hmm. And that's why Brendan Hunt, Coach Beard from Ted Lasso, is kind of, it's a one for one, but I'm like, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. And I think he, like, he's clearly the oldest person on the rig, and he's just like, this is what we gotta do, we'll get it done. And I, and I also love him, and he's great. And he's also been in Key and Peele, who's in Bless This Mess. He's a good comedic actor, but obviously, but he's also so good on Ted he's, Lasso. He's totally got the same look. I he's mean, got the same you look. Could, you would almost mistake him for, I know. for uh, the, he's, he's the very, original He's very one for one. Yeah. That's, but that's, I also really like him. No, I, I, I get that. That's, that works for me. That Actually, I would not say no to that. But who do you have? Uh, I had, who did I have? Um, Bill Burr, the comedian. <laughs> he is gruff yeah that's, um, that's not a bad choice he did a stint on the mandalorian as a yeah. recurring character and he actually had the chops for it i he felt did. like he was good and you know he's kind of the counter um i feel like the the sarcasm and stuff he'd be a little more brusque i think that's a good choice and i think for this role he's also good like he, he feels very much like he'd be like in this role kind of like a cipher from the matrix mm-hmm. except doesn't betray anyone right no, no, exactly, yeah. Um, that's I see that connection, yeah. Oh, man, that's that's and, good. Let's go with Brendan Hunt. Okay, but Bill Burr is a good choice. Yeah. If I need it, if, if I need to give yeah, you one, it, one. It, I it really either one would be great. I think. Yeah. yeah. If you've gotten two in a row, I'm taking this one. That's okay. Brendan Hunt. Cool. So then that brings us to hippie. Yeah. Hippie. Mine's a bit of a one for one, also, but uh, is it my turn? Yeah, it is. King and Michael Key. Interesting. How old's King and Michael Key? I have no idea. I liked him because he's, you know, he's, he, hippie was kind of the 
freak out, you know, you're going to kill us all, uh-huh. you know, save my rat. You know, he's kind of yeah. kooky, but he was also the nerdy guy. Yeah. On theme, he's the exact same age as both Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg. He's oh. 50 years old. Wow. Yeah. I... I do think he's a good choice because I think, much like Haley Atwell, Keegan-Michael Key can do anything. I think he's a phenomenal actor, and, like, I've been trying to put him in other things that I'm casting, and I keep being like, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, he's 50. But, like, not, you, A, never believe it. And, like, he's in Schmigadoon right now, and I don't think he's playing someone who's 50 years old. No, no. Um, like, he is great. Full stop. Who do you have? For this role, I went with someone who's a little bit crazy, and we're used to seeing do the freak out, but, like, does it very well, and he's been typecast in this role, but it's because he's excellent at it. And this actor's name is Robert Sheehan. Oh, yeah. From Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. Misfits. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a very one-for-one, but it's one-for-one because he does it so well. But based on kind of, like, my idea that I didn't think when I was casting him at the time, but, like that I kind of like the idea of like, he's just the person who just stays on the boat. Like he doesn't think he could ever be able to fully acclimate to like get rid of the pressure. And he's just like, I'm stuck down here. So I'm going to live down here with my animals. And it's going to be great. I chose this life and uh, I like it. Yeah, no, no, he's definitely got that. You know, if he's going to want to get animals and stuff, I feel like that's almost a better fit. Yeah. I feel like he definitely feels more earthy. Yes. Yeah. So I thought he would be, fun we're gonna give him like a whole zoo and everything and he's talking to the animals and stuff that actually actually does yeah that definitely fits pretty well i like that cool okay uh that brings us to lisa one night standing Mm -hmm. Uh, i believe it's my turn to go first Mm -hmm. since we're talking about loki Uh and we're talking about lovecraft country we're talking about luther i would be surprised if we didn't both cast uh one me masaku for this who's that Wunmi Masaku, uh, she was the uh, the person, like, the other leader of the, in Loki, she was one of the other uh, uh, TVA agents who didn't trust him, and then when she finds out that, oh, they're all variants. Was she the, um, the, in, in uniform, the officer? Yeah, the officer oh, her! Uniform, yeah. I thought about her, actually, I did. Um, uh, I didn't write her down, but I, I did think about her, but I, I felt like I was starting to get too many uh, from one place, you know. I mean, she's the only person that I cast from Loki, so I'm okay with it. Oh, okay. Um, Who do you have? I had um, Aquafina. Oh, that's a fun choice. You know, she doesn't do action and, and stuff like this, but I feel like she'd be, um, she's got the attitude and the snarkiness, bring in some Asian casting, you know, it's kind of diverse. I mean, yeah, I mean, since we replaced Steven Yeun with Gabriel Luna, that is true. That is, oh, I like that. But I... I don't know if she'd want to do it. It no, seems like it's out of her wheel well, but... It's out of her wheelhouse, and I feel like putting her in the same boat as Robert Sheehan. Like, I would be more interested in casting her as Alan Hippie Carnes. Okay. And I potentially would be interested in replacing... That actually is interesting. Nora, replacing Robert Sheehan with Nora, which is her... I don't remember her last Nora's name. Nora's that show, yeah, the show she's on. But, yeah. but it's her actual name. Yeah. Like, Aquafina's, like, her stage name, and, like, oh. her actual first name is Nora something. Did not? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, she wasn't born with the name Aquafina. I had a backup there. I had Rashida Jones as a backup. Rashida Jones is also very good. It would be good. I'm going to, for this one, I'm going to say let's go with Wonmi Masaku. Mm-hmm. Just because I could also see her working on an oil rig kind of thing. Okay. And I love Rashida Jones. I love Aquafina. I, I'm totally I happy with her. I don't necessarily her, yeah. see either of them in this style of blue collar profession. Yeah. You know, I usually, it's, it's when I think about casting, I'm thinking um, about characters they've played. Yeah. You know, as opposed to the... And introducing something that yeah. they would be interested in doing. And I think you're right. And... I have not had a... With the exception of Bud Brigman, every person you've cast in this has so far been, like, right on the money. Like, I've loved all of it. 
what other characters do you have? Because, like, literally for everything, I have some other military guy yeah, and the, someone on the surface. I think we've gone as deep as you need to, because I, I don't really feel ah, like you... Yeah. puns. Oh, God, it's totally unexpected, un, un, unplanned there. Uh, because I feel like everybody else is interchangeable. You know, you have several other military guys and yeah. several other crew workers. And I actually wanted to kind of trim the cast down. I'd like to see it smaller. Yeah. I'd like to see it I, by limiting the number of people, limiting the, the scope. I think you, they had a larger cast at the beginning because they needed to have some red shirts to kill off it, to yeah. introduce the stakes. Yeah. I do think we need that, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time searching for that. The one thing I need is that we're casting Gabriel Luna, who I think is in his 40s. Don't be ageist, he's man. Thir- he's 38. <laughs> but like, but he would be like an, an older officer. And so the, for some other military guy, I cast someone early 20s. A much younger person in the military who would just follow his orders until finally, like, he goes too far and they're like, Sir, no, we can't. This is too much. This is too far. We do not have these orders. Right. And so I wanted to have some other, like, like a a military kid. Because even in the movie that we have now, there are those two military guys that are that weren't killed. There's the one that was injured who finally, when he finds out that what Lieutenant Kofi's doing, is like, Dude, no. And he's the one that takes the clip out of the gun. And is who saves Bud's life because Lieutenant Kofi tried to shoot him, and the guy's like, "Nope, I took." It's like surprise, I took the bullets out of your gun. And the other one who's just going along, following the orders until uh, they like clocked him. And he's like, "Yeah, I guess we shouldn't set off a nuke that's going to kill us all." But I feel like we just needed the one person who's on his side until he's not. Mm-hmm. So for that, I cast like someone who's like kind of the Disney school of acting. He was on Diary of a Wimpy Kid. He was on Jesse, and then eventually Bunked. And he's one of the kids in uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh. Oh yeah, it's a great uh, show. The, the the this kid's name is Karen Brar, K A R A N, B R A R. Yep. Oh yeah, he's cool. Just a cool, other kind of military dude. Mm-hmm. Kind of works. I for could that. see him. Yeah, being just military. Following orders until he doesn't is kind of who I thought. And then I had someone on the surface. I cast someone else from uh, Terminator Dark Fate from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just another dude. I cast uh, Diego Bonetta. He's in Terminator Dark Fate. He's a uh, uh, oh, is he the, the, the boyfriend? No, no the, bro- he's the brother. He's the brother. The brother okay. who gets uh, uh, yeah, who Gabriel Luna kills. Oh, how pleasant! Yeah, he's yeah. the one he goes after at the factory or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's also in Rock of Ages and Scream Queens. And like, I don't even need this role. But she's like someone on the surface who's also military who talks to them, and then we never see him again. Yeah. The only other person I wrote down was um to give a. A, a part to my uh, alter ego, um, Stuart from the okay, com- cool. comic book shop on Big Bang Theory, Kevin Sussman, um, could could replace Chris Elliott as the guy on the bridge who yells, "Look over there! Look over there, guy!" Yeah, Bendix was his name in the credits. Got it. But he's kind of the guy pointing at the radar and and that kind of stuff. Good, love it. We got it. We're doing that. Okay. Good. Kevin Sussman as Bendix, the look over there guy. Cool. Uh, which brings us to writer and director. Oh, uh, this is cool. I had um, a hyphenate. No, well, no, no. Actually, um, it was a team um, okay, that, great. that I liked because I actually have interviewed uh, this writer. He's done some really cool stuff, and he is he's busier than heck. Actually, he is uh, Matson Tomlin. He uh, he did Project Power for Netflix. Okay, and he's working on the Batman right now, and he's he's going to be working on uh, Terminator, uh, their anime series for Netflix. The Terminator's Ooh, doing, or that cool. Netflix is doing, and then his his the director that he worked with on Project Power was David Ayer. He he also did Bright and Suicide. Actually, he did Bright and Suicide Squad as well. Uh huh. So, I hate both those movies. Really? Oh, 
Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad was yeah, pretty Bright? horrible. No, no. Bright I liked. I liked Bright a lot, actually. Oh, you were Suicide wrong. Squad, I, I, no, I, that was a mess. Okay, well... But um, I like him as a team, you know. Yeah, it, they're a good team. I like the idea of going with Mattson Tomlin. Like, that's a good idea. We may replace my writer with yours just because I like the idea of bringing in this younger guy. My writer is... I mean, both of these are big-name writer-director people. But my writer... Uh, can kind of do like the stylized interesting design but also can do like kind of the hard drama but also like sprinkling in the comedy i went with brian fuller oh my gosh i love brian fuller yeah everyone loves brian fuller brian fuller's great and i realized i haven't really ever pulled him for this show i might have i don't remember but like pushing daisies star trek discovery hannibal like like the first season of american gods like this this kind of thing is absolutely brian fuller's wheelhouse and i think it's the sort of thing he'd really enjoy getting to do so that, I thought, would be fun. I think going with Mattson Tomlin is probably a, a more fun choice, but we're not going with David Ayer. Okay. Um, I, did the, the, I did kind of the obvious choice for director, because I feel like this is the director that would get tagged for this. It's the obvious director. He's going to, like, when they remake The Abyss, it's going to be the guy who did Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 ah. and Dune. Dennis uh, Villanueva. The, ah. Is it v- Villanueva? Villanueva, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it just means, like, new world kind of thing. Cool. And <laughs> he's the director for this, like, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Part of the reason why I wanted to pair him with Brian Fuller is because Brian Fuller is, A, isn't a director, and B, can, like, inject the fun into the script. Mm-hmm. So it's there for the actors, and then Dennis Villanueva would be there for for the environment in the world. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. I'm Yeah, I mean, if you can pull off Dune. Yeah, well, we... Well, yet to be we had to be seen, but, it looks, but like, the trailer looks good. But he pulled off Arrival. Mm-hmm. He pulled off Blade Runner 2049. Like, th- this is, like, weird sci-fi shenanigans are absolutely his wheelhouse. Like, that's the world he plays in. Um, I'm happy to go with uh, Madsen Tomlin. He's your friend. He's worked on cool things. And it's, like, a more modern take on something that I'm sure he grew up watching, even though it came out the year before he was born. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Sure. He has less baggage about it then. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah. What, I mean, if you can get I, Brian Fuller, I'm totally on board with that. What so. would end up happening for a movie like this is Matson Tomlin would be hired to write it, and then he would be fired, and they'd bring in Brian Fuller to do rewrites. To rewrite it, yeah. Yeah, that's what would happen. Like, Matson Tomlin would do, like, the skeleton and the, kind of the structure of the movie, and then Brian Fuller would come in and do, like... The nuance. The, and the, the nuance and the, the and character the and the stuff, Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's our cast. Yeah. No, I like it. That is. The, I would, I would love to see this movie with this cast. Yeah. And, and, that's the abyss. Yeah. Let me take you through our cast. We've got Bud Brigman being played by Winston Duke. Lindsay Brigman, or Lindsay, whatever her last name is, because their fiance is not married mm-hmm. yet, is, uh, Gugu Mbathu Ra. Uh, Lieutenant Kofi is Gabriel Luna. Catfish DeVries, DeVries is Brendan Hunt. Alan Hippie Carnes, the dude with the rat, is going to be Robert Sheehan. Um, but I'm not opposed to it being Aquafina, depending on depending on who meshes better with the cast. Lisa One Night Standing is going to be Wunmi Musaku. Some other military guy will be uh, Karen Brar. Someone on the surface will be Diego. Or you know what? No, the per- other person on the surface is going to be Bendix. The look over there guy, Kevin Sussman. Yep. All of this will be written by Mattson Tomlin and then probably fired and rewritten by Brian Fuller and then directed by Dennis uh, Villanueva. Villanueva. I. Ah. Villanueva. Because, of course, it will be. Yes. And uh, visual effects by Industrial Light Magic. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, that is uh, The Abyss. 
2021 and the one just keeps going down 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 further into the deep yeah i like it yeah i'm we did excited it. we remade the movie good work take that james cameron he's busy <laughs> he's busy making 17 avatar movies tune in next episode while i'll be remaking avatar which is true Get yourself some unatinium now. <laughs> yeah, before uh, get it before prices uh, <laughs> prices go. Yeah, basically. So cool, Tom. Thank you so much for a making me watch this movie, which I'd never seen, and b remaking it with me. Oh, thanks for having me back. I yeah. loved it. It was fun. To remind everyone, where can they find uh, Wordcursion? Uh, Wordcursion is at wordcursion.com, or uh, uh, you can just search Wordcursion on the App Store or on Google Play. And uh, you can find me online at uh, on Twitter, um, Tom underscore Loveman, and Tom Loveman on Instagram. Spell Loveman just in case. Loveman. L-O-V-E-M-A-N. Great. That's how it sounds. Love it. The Love Man. Uh, cool. If you're interested in finding me on Twitter, I'm at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. Or you can follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Ideal Remake. Or join us on Facebook, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast, and that would be great. Or... If you want to take a moment and do something nice for Ideal Remake or for Writers Group Therapy, which mm-hmm. is this other great podcast that Tom runs with uh, Roshni Lumeo, would be to go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a wonderful review. And that would just be a delight. And we would love you forever for it. <laughs> yeah, that brings us to the end of our remake of The Abyss. So, Tom. Come up for a breath. That's your favorite quote from the movie for uh, The Abyss? I don't know. No. What, do you have a favorite quote? No, I don't have one off the it's top not, of my head. It's not strictly a quotable movie. I mean, there's lots of one-liners and stuff, but yeah, it's but all situational. It's all situational. It's all just referring to poor Lindsay Brigman as a bitch. And it's just like, oh, guys, no, don't do that. I had a hard time finding a quote from this movie. I don't know what our favorite quote from this movie would be. There was some deep, I think I had one that was kind of more of a deep thought kind of thing. When it comes to the safety of these people, there's me and then there's God, understand? Mine is a, we all see what we want to see. Coffee looks at these, it looks and he sees Russians. He sees hate and fear. You have to look with better eyes than that. That is a good one. I like that one a lot. Good.